0: He paid it all upon the cross No longer bound by sin or with eternal loss He took my sin and washed it away When I was immersed in that watery grave I heard that gospel call because He paid it all Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Been There, Read That podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Batty. This is brought to you by ChristianResearcher.com. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, be sure to check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Podbean. Podbean is our host site. Also, today we're going to be discussing a lot of books regarding the book of Revelation. And if you want to see a full list of the books we're going to be discussing, you can go to ChristianResearcher.com. You can click on the podcast tab. And you'll find the description of today's episode with all the titles and the authors provided to you. I know it's difficult sometimes as we go through the material to remember all the titles and authors. So we try to put that up for you so that you can find it in our bookstore. Some of these books that we're going through are in our bookstore. uh, Others we don't carry in stock. And we'll try to point those out as we go along. Today we have Brother George Batty, gospel preacher, and my father back with us. Uh, last week we discussed the different views regarding the book of Revelation, how they came up historically speaking, and how they affect us and our beliefs. And what we want to do today is go through and give some suggested reading, because there's a lot of people who are very intimidated by the book of Revelation, uh, maybe feel like it's impossible to understand or have given up hope, and one of the things that as Dad is writing the commentary, his commentary on Revelation, he's found some good Useful materials in studying the book, and so we want to tap into that knowledge and background. So, Dad, tell us a little bit
1: about some of the books that you've been, you found helpful in your research thus far. Okay. Well, can I back up a little bit and tell you some dangerous books that yeah. I would not recommend? That'd be great. <laughs> okay. Well, I would strongly caution against uh, that. We talked about two dangerous positions that can actually cause you to be lost if you believe these positions. And the first position is dispensational premillennialism, and the other is hyperpreterism. And in dispensational premillennialism, I would recommend, strongly recommend that you beware of authors like John Wolverd, Dwight Pentecost, John MacArthur, Clarence Larkin, Jerry Jenkins, Tim LaHaye, they are the ones that wrote the Left Behind series that are so popular and have such, uh, they've had movies made about them as well. And there are other preachers that are on the TV, radio, podcasts. Uh, men like, help me out here, Hagee, is that his yeah, name? John Hagee. John Hagee. Guys like that, very, very dangerous because they're teaching That Jews are still God's special chosen people, and the Bible, the New Testament, clearly teaches that God's special chosen people today are Christians, members of the Lord's church. And a Jew is welcome to be a member of the Lord's church, but nobody is going to be saved just because they are an ethnic Jew and nothing more. Okay, uh, every Jew has to be baptized into the body of Christ in order to be saved. Some of these authors you mentioned, I hear
0: my brethren mentioning them, and they can seem like good guys on one hand because they take a very high view of Scripture. They believe in the full inspiration of Scripture. I think like John MacArthur. You pick up some of his books and you think, ah, oh, you know, he's a he's pretty good guy because he's advocating that the Bible is fully inspired, and he's being very dogmatic on that point. But I was reading uh, an author one time, and he said, you know, John MacArthur is a pure Calvinist and a dispensationalist, and he tries to work that in every single time he has an opportunity. I found that to be true. Like You can just be reading in the Gospels where you're not expecting to encounter dispensationalism, and when he starts interpreting parables, things as basic as parables, he's trying to work it with a dispensational slant. And so I, I just advise people not to read MacArthur because Of how saturated his writing is with Calvinism and dispensationalism. And if you're not, if you don't have a background in both of those, it can sneak
1: up on you and just, it's very dangerous material. That's right. And he does do that. Every chance he gets, uh, it it has consumed his uh, preaching. Okay. And so, um, I would not recommend any of those authors on dispensationalism. That's that same way in which he
0: saturates everything with dispensationalism and Calvinism is the same thing that some of these hyper-preterists do with
1: their writings. That's right. And so who are some of the guys to be aware of in that realm? Well, the two main authors would be uh, Don Preston, who has written uh, maybe a hundred different books, maybe more. And Max King has written several. And these men, that it just absolutely consumes them. That's they see uh, AD 70 and the destruction of Jerusalem in every passage that they're looking at, and it has absolutely consumed them. And it's a very dangerous position, as we mentioned, because they teach that the resurrection has already passed, and that's a dangerous heresy. And men, are, uh, these men are going to be lost unless they change their mind. One uh, author, uh, one preacher among our own brethren. Who has left the faith and has gone into hyperpreterism is uh, Tony Denton. And he has written a couple of books. One is a commentary on the book of Revelation, or excuse me, the book of Hebrews. I'm sorry. And uh, he's written another book as well. But anyway. It has absolutely consumed him, and he has, he has left the faith, and he's, he's given up his salvation because he is consumed with this, and he says that, the, like Hymenaeus and Philetus, the resurrection is past already, and unless he repents and changes, he, he will die lost because you cannot believe that and be saved. So that's a warning against these men who have written these books. Give me your thoughts on Foy Wallace's commentary on Revelation. Well, Foy Wallace, uh, he was like Kenneth Gentry. He was a partial preterist. He still believed in the second coming of the Lord, the end of the world, judgment day, heaven and hell, like we traditionally believe, like the Bible teaches. However, he believes all of Revelation is a picture of the fall of Jerusalem, which would be equivalent to, to take this position. It's crazy, but it's been written to the seven churches of Asia about the destruction that's going to happen in Jerusalem, in Judea, and that would be equivalent to uh, an apostle writing to brethren in New York City about how California is about to break off at the San Andreas Fault and fall into the Pacific Ocean. Well, if California is about to break off of the continent and fall into the ocean, maybe we need to be sending the epistle to the brethren in California where that's going to happen instead of brethren in New York who are on the complete opposite end of the continent and that's kind of what is happening with this AD70 theory this preterist position is it's being written to the revelation is being written to brethren in Asia but the destruction and all of the torments going to be taking place in Judea hundreds or maybe thousands of miles away, and it, it doesn't make any sense. It's crazy. Did you say one of the dangers of, or maybe not dangers the word,
0: but one of the the downsides of Foy Wallace's commentary is that it lays the groundwork for hyper-preterism. He yes. doesn't go full preterism with it, but he does lead
1: you in that direction, get people started down that road. That's right. He knew he knew when to put the brakes on. He knew that you've you got to have the second coming of Christ. you got to have the bodily resurrection, Mm-hmm. and he knew when to stop mm-hmm. problem is others don't mm-hmm. and they they obviously they keep going and they want to be as they call themselves consistent preterists mm-hmm. and they want to they want to be consistent in saying all of these prophecies in the bible are about a- AD 70 yeah. i just want to throw that out there because Wallace is is held
0: as a as a good gospel preacher and right on a lot of things but that was kind of an area where he fell short in some of his writings, and has had a good in, has had a lasting influence right.
1: amongst our brethren. So, uh, having given some warnings about books not to get or authors not to read, after let me let me suggest some good reading material as far as and of course this is subjective. I realize that, but I'm telling you my opinion, and I've broken this down into introductory material, intermediate material, and advanced material. And so, if a person is just beginning to study or just interested in starting to study the book of Revelation, well, I would recommend some introductory, easy-to-read material that gives you, when you finish reading it, you say, you have this feeling, ah, I think Revelation might be understandable. I think it's possible a person could understand this book. I had one sister in a congregation where I went and preached. She had her mind completely made up Revelation cannot be understood by anybody, and she hated the entire gospel meeting because she didn't believe it was possible to understand the book of Revelation. And I think that's wrong way to look at the, any book of the Bible. God revealed things. Reveal means it's possible to understand. It's yeah. ironic the book that has a blessing given
0: in reading it, is a book that we've neglected not only reading, but teaching out of. People are scared to teach out of it. And we do have this overwhelming sense of fear or impossibility that we can understand what's going on. And I see this a lot of times in in group discussions in the denomination world. People say, well, you know, there's people that are for Calvinism and against Calvinism. And They've been arguing about this for centuries and never come to an understanding. It must just be impossible to understand, so just don't worry about it. Move on with life and just forget it all. And we see the foolishness of that when it comes to Calvinism,
1: but maybe we've kind of bought into that a little bit when it comes to the book of Revelation. I think that's a good comparison there. So uh, let me give you some suggestions of some writers to read after that give you the hope of understanding uh, the book of Revelation. And these these books help you uh, see the big picture of what Revelation is is all about. The very first book about Revelation that I read was recommended to me by Brother Ron Corder, and it was written by Albertus Peters. The title of the book has two different titles. It was published originally under the title of The Lamb, the Woman, and the Dragon, and it was republished, a uh, second edition, under the title of The Book of Revelation, or Studies in Revelation. I just tell our listeners, this, this is a book
0: that has been traditionally kind of difficult to find, because it's been out of print. It's been brought back into print recently, and you can find copies of this at christianresearcher.com. So just throw that out
1: for what, for what it's worth to people. Okay, now now let me just say something about Albertus Peters. He, I, I don't believe that he <laughs> is exactly right on the book of Revelation, but what he does do is he gives a, a, a good presentation, and he explains why dispensational premillennialism is wrong. And he explains why historical, the continuous historical interpretation that the reformers came up with to battle against the Pope and the Catholic Church, why that is the wrong approach. And that's where I was first introduced uh, to the book of Revelation. And I, it's easy to read. It's fun to read. It's a fun book to read. And there are some great points to be gleaned out of that book, although... Albertus Peters believed basically a preterist position, which um, I'm not say, saying he is totally wrong. I'm just saying that I think that he took his preterist position a little bit further than maybe he should have. So he, he was not a hyper-preterist. He was a moderate preterist. He was a moderate preterist, but he didn't believe the book of Revelation was about the fall of Jerusalem. He believed it was about the fall of the Roman Empire, and so he believes Revelation was fulfilled uh, primarily uh, in the 400s, early 400s, okay? Something like that. So... Um, anyway, he does he does recognize the fact that revelation was intended to be for future audiences and that it had some value for future generations that lived after the fall of the Roman Empire. And so that part was good. And and you can you can learn a lot and glean a lot from his book. Okay, the next book that I would recommend would be by Vern Poitras. This is his book was called the The Returning King. It's a very basic book. It, It gives a general overview of the book of Revelation. And again, what this book does in a very good way is give you the hope that you can understand. He gives you a big bird's eye view of what's going on in the book of Revelation. Sam Storm's book, Kingdom Come, does the same thing. Although, now that's a pretty thick book, kind of expensive. You'll be spending about 25 or $30 for a copy of his book. But I think it's worth having. I think he has some very good material. I don't agree with everything that uh, any of these men wrote. It's uh, like Brother Ron Quarter says, when you sit down to eat a chicken, we all enjoy eating chicken. But there's some bones inside that chicken. And you learn pretty quickly to eat the meat and throw the bone away
0: we've discussed sam storm's book kingdom come um, a little bit on some of these podcasts because at the moment i am reading through it with you and some other guys as well and storms is definitely that chicken and bones on one chapter he'll be very good and on the next chapter he'll have some hang-ups uh, he's he's constantly battling dispensationalism that's his main point point. and when he's against dispensationalism he's really
1: good and on point yes. And he was trained at Dallas Theological Seminary, which is the very epicenter of dispensationalism today. And he came out of that. So he knows what he's talking about. Another book that you recommended to me that I actually have not finished reading yet, but I'm about two-thirds of the way through the book. I'm very, very impressed with it to this point. It's Matthew Emerson's book, between the cross and the throne. It gives you this bird's eye view of Revelation, and he's quoting from very conservative scholars. He himself is a very conservative scholar, and he gives you the hope of being able to understand what Revelation is about. That's what I've
0: enjoyed most about Vern Poythras' The Returning King, and Emerson's book is kind of that big picture structure that you can build off of. You have a bit of a framework, and you have that hope that you're talking about. And to your point earlier with Peter's, And his on the woman, uh, the lamb, the woman, the dragon. That's kind of taking. You can build upon that bird's eye view and then realize how to start combating dispensationalism. Right. And that's what I recommend to people if you're wanting to take it kind of the next step further after the big bird's eye. Read Peters. If you're wanting to focus in on dispensationalism, different aspects aspects of it. Maybe a Sam Storms in there. Um, Who are a couple others.
1: Well, one author didn't really write a book on Revelation that I'm aware of, at least yet, but Kim Riddlebarger, who is actually a man, by the way. I thought Kim might have been a woman, but Kim Riddlebarger is a man. And he wrote a book called A Case for Amillennialism. And this is just a delightful book to read. And I think he makes the case for Amillennialism, just like the title of his book says. And he's very convincing. And You will learn the difference between historic premillennialism and dispensational premillennialism. And you'll learn the difference between pre-tribulation rapture and post-tribulation rapture. The premillennialist believes in a pre-tribulation rapture, whereas the Bible actually is teaching a post-tribulation rapture, which is another subject for another time. As a matter of fact, I did a podcast with Jonathan Edwards about the rapture. And we talked about post-tribulation rapture. And so if someone's interested, they can go and listen to Jonathan.
0: For those interested in listening to that podcast, Jonathan's podcast is the Pure and Simple Bible Podcast. You can find it on iTunes. Okay, go ahead.
1: And so one one more book on the introductory level uh, for people that would be interested is Steve Gregg's book, Revelation, Four Views. And what this book does is uh, as you open up each, as you turn each page, There are four columns, and side by side, you have the continuous historical position or interpretation of each verse through the book of Revelation. Then right beside that is the premillennial interpretation, and then there would be the the preterist interpretation, and finally the spiritual interpretation, or the amillennial interpretation. And that is really helpful to see side by side, how does each school of thought interpret this verse of scripture. And I think that would be helpful to anybody, even if they don't agree with my view of Revelation. It's a helpful book to see how others interpret each verse of scripture along the way. That'd be a helpful book in doing uh, congregational teaching at church where you're
0: teaching systematically through the book of Revelation right. and trying to interact with the different positions.
1: Right. Now, let's go to the intermediate state now you've you've advanced a little bit you're ready to go on to a little bit more meatier material but you don't want to get into too heavy too heavy yet so i have several here that i would recommend let me just list these off really quickly and um maybe you might have some questions for me about this but uh dennis johnson the triumph of the lamb that's a good book dennis johnson triumph of the lamb the next book James Resegui, The Revelation of John, a Narrative Commentary. I love that book. S. L. Morris, The Drama of Christianity. James Smith, his book is Behold, The Revelation of Jesus Christ. Michael Wilcock, his book, The Message of Revelation. William Hendrickson's book, More Than Conquerors. Thomas R. Schreiner wrote, the revelation, the commentary of Revelation in the ESV Expository Commentary, which is brand new, hot off the press, and that's very good. Kind of a short commentary. Uh, William Milligan, the Expositor's Bible, ha- he wrote the Book of Revelation in that in that series, the Expositor's Bible, and also William Milligan's Lectures of the Apocalypse, extremely valuable. Um, they've been around so long that you can actually download PDF copies for free of William Milligan's material. So that's handy.
0: Uh, talk to us just a little bit about three here. Uh, Dennis Johnson, Reseguay, and William Hendrickson. I'll start with Hendrickson. He's kind of the more famous and
1: kind of what he pioneered, I guess you'd say. Well, Hendrickson is the first writer that brought to my attention the, the concept that Book of Revelation was not written in... Uh, chronological order. In other words, when you start reading in in chapter 4 about the throne room of God, uh, that that scene is believed by dispensational writers as being the very beginning of the future, and that each chapter thereafter, chapter 4, 5, 6, are following a chronological order. The opening of the seals comes before the sounding of the trumpets, and the trumpets come before the pouring out of the bowls of wrath. And all of these things are in chronological order, and each event brings you closer and closer to the the last day. But William Hendrickson points out, and I think proves the point, that the book of Revelation was not written in chronological order, but rather in parallelism. And I don't remember how many sections that Hendrickson divided Revelation into, but typically most scholars today see seven distinct sections of the book of Revelation, And each section is parallel with the next section. And so, sort of imagine watching a baseball game. There's a A runner on third base and he's going to run home and as he's running he slides into home plate and the fielder throws the ball to the catcher and the catcher is trying to put the tag on the runner and there's dust everywhere and nobody can see did the did the runner touch home plate first or did the catcher put the tag on the runner with the ball before he touched the plate and so you got these different camera angles that are trying to view the same play at the plate from different viewpoints to see which happened first. Well, that's kind of what's happening with the book of Revelation, which William Hendrickson points out, is that each of the seven sections of Revelation view Christian history from the time of the resurrection of Jesus until his second coming from different camera angles and different viewpoints. And each section, like the, the the removal of the seals, is the same thing as the sounding of the seven trumpets, which is the same thing as the pouring out of the seven bowls of wrath. They're, they're viewing Christian history from the cross of Christ to the second coming from different points of view. And that's very helpful when you finally see that that's the structure of the book of Revelation. And that's what William Hendrickson was famous for, introducing that thought at least to a lot of our minds.
0: Resegui kind of picks up and does follows that same type of pattern yes. in his book.
1: And so does Dennis Johnson as as well. But James Resegui what's unique about his book it's a narrative commentary and what he's doing is not so much trying to help us apply this to our own situation today. Uh, But what he's trying to do is help us to see what would the readers in Asia, the seven churches in Asia, how would they have interpreted Revelation when they first received it from John? Uh, Exactly what were they, what is Revelation saying? And what was it saying to them? And it's that's very helpful in interpreting Revelation. Remember there's two important steps here. Interpretation and application. And interpretation is asking, what did it mean to the original recipients? And that's what James Resegui is great at doing. What
0: I like most about his was his demonstration of how much the book of Revelation relies on the Old Testament and bringing over that Old Testament imagery so that you can understand some of the
1: symbolism. That's right. He is great about doing that. And then finally, Dennis Johnson is just a um, Uh, A a Sort of a good combination of James Resegui and William Hendrickson put together. Mm -hmm. Um, Very readable, very understandable, uh, very conscious of how the Old Testament is affecting how John in the book of Revelation is borrowing uh, pictures and imagery from the Old Testament to teach a lesson to the seven churches of Asia. So very helpful book, I think. That's what I like about his in particular is that if you
0: can get that bird's-eye view from the introductory reads and you go and you read a Dennis Johnson, he's somebody that you can read and understand what he's saying and enjoy it
1: as you're going through and keep building on that hope of understanding what's going on in the book of Revelation. Right. And, and all of these guys in this intermediate level that I talked about, they're, they're very understandable. Very understandable. Okay, So now we'll talk about some advanced works or at least what I consider advanced works. And by that we
0: mean this isn't the first book you pick up and jump into.
1: That's right. And you're going to have to you're going to have to read slow and really think about what you're reading and looking at. So let me give a list here. GK Beale, I'm going to put him at the top of my list. He, there are two volumes. His longer commentary is The Book of Revelation and it's the New International Greek Text Commentary. This book is, I don't know, 1,200 pages long, fine print. It's a humongous book. It's, it's got a lot of Greek and Hebrew in it. But you are if you can discipline yourself to persevere through the book, you will learn a lot. And he takes a good, he's very conservative. He believes in the full inspiration of the scriptures. And he, uh, it takes the amillennial position and he does a very good job. Uh, he, he, this same commentary was sort of boiled down and condensed into a book much shorter. I say much shorter, about uh, 600 pages. <laughs> so you're still going to have to have patience. But it was, in my opinion, a pro- uh, the, a problem exists with the shorter v- version. It was not written by G.K. Beale himself exactly. It was condensed by David Campbell and in my opinion it's not as readable believe it or not as the larger edition I feel like I read through the shorter version and I'm scratching my head very often wondering what does this sentence mean and I read it and reread it and reread it and I finally just go to the larger commentary and read what G.K. Bill wrote originally and I understand what he said. So there is value in having both. And I have both volumes and I use both volumes in different ways. The advantage of the shorter one that is that it's taken the Greek and the Hebrew yes. technicality out of it. The technical Greek stuff is removed. Yeah. So Okay, the the next author wrote two books. Richard Bacham. His first book that I read is a thin little book. Uh, just a delight to read, gives you a bird's eye view. It's called The Theology of the Book of Revelation. And his other book, The Climax of Prophecy, which is a larger book. And again, this is more of a bird's eye view. Both of these books are a bird's eye view of Revelation. They're not verse by verse commentary. And you better have uh, your pocketbook out to buy this because Richard Bauckham's Climax of Prophecies, I, I paid $75 for it, mm-hmm. and it's a paperback. But it's, it is very help, helpful, in my opinion. The next author is uh, G.B. Caird, and this is an older work. It's part of the Harper Bible Commentary series, and he wrote the book The Revelation of St. John is the title. And Caird is quoted by Beale, by Bauckham, by Dennis Johnson, by James Rosegui, by William Hendrickson, I believe uh, all of these authors quote from uh, G.B. Caird. It'd probably be easier list to give you a list of commentaries that don't quote from. That's Carid. right, and his commentary is very readable. Uh, there's not a lot of Greek to it; very readable. It's it's understandable, but it's also it's got so much information packed in such a short space that you have to really read it slowly to absorb all the information that is being... You don't realize how much is being thrown at you in such a small space. Mm-hmm. And you have to really think as you read through Caird. Um, R.C.H. Linsky, in his commentary, he took, he takes an amillennialist position. His has got a lot of Greek in it. You'll have to read it slowly, but he's conservative and he takes a good position on the book of Revelation. And finally, a a commentary that a lot of brethren have is the Pulpit Commentary. And the Revelation volume of the Pulpit Commentary was written by Alfred Plummer. And Alfred Plummer takes an amillennial position, which, by the way, you wouldn't think that the amillennial position was really that popular. You don't hear much about it. The people that get all the press are these left-behind dispensational writers, But there are plenty, plenty of scholarly amillennial writers that just don't get any press, and they're very helpful. And the pulpit commentary is a very valuable resource, I think, in understanding the book of Revelation. I found it very helpful
0: appreciate you going through all that material with us today. That's a lot of titles and authors that people probably are not aware of and to have someone that's been through all that, weighted the waters, and to be able to give us some reviews and suggest them, that's very helpful. For those who are interested, of uh, the titles that uh, Dad brought up and suggested, we carry in our bookstore Matthew Emerson's book Between the Cross and the Throne, Albertus Peter's commentary The Lamb, the Woman, and the Dragon, and Vern Poitras' book The Returning King. Those are the three that uh, George had recommended for introductory reads. In the Intermediate series, he recommended Dennis Johnson's The Triumph of the Lamb. Uh, we have that and carry that in stock. Uh, he recommended William Hendrickson More Than Conquerors. We also have that and carry that in stock. We only have a couple copies because, as uh, as far as I'm aware, that's no longer in print. You have to get used copies, and we do have a couple used copies. And then he recommended James Resegue, who we don't currently have, but hopefully in the very near future we will have that on our bookshelves and so we're trying to stock a few of those to introduce our listeners and readers to to give them uh, the build up the bird's eye view the big picture Uh, we don't carry any of the larger commentaries at this time Um, but if you have questions about where to find those you can write us at christianresearcher at gmail.com and we'd be happy to try to help you locate a copy of those uh before we get off here again,
1: Dad, uh, go ahead and tell the listeners about your website that, where they can find you and follow you. Okay? Well, we'd uh, be glad to have anybody come to our website willofthelord.com, no spaces between the words willofthelord.com, and at our website we have uh, just numerous uh, articles and study presentations that are most most of them have audio versions with written notes that can also be downloaded and you can follow along with the written notes or just listen to the audio your choice Uh, none of this is copyrighted you're welcome to use any of it if, if you find it helpful and uh just for a suggestion many people seem i don't know why but many people ask me if i have this or that there's a little search box It's kind of small. It's it's not real noticeable, evidently, because nobody seems to notice it, but a little box, and you can search for whatever topic you're interested in. I think it has a drop-down button that drops down and lists topics that you can uh, click on. And also, there's an article button on the top line. You can click on the articles, and that just lists all the articles one by one, uh, chronologically, as they've been posted, and so eventually you'll see everything on there if you if you s- slog through all that. Come to our website if you can, and and uh, hopefully you'll find material that'll be helpful in your studies of Scripture. Well, thanks, Dad, for taking the time out to go through this material with
0: us, and for the work you're doing on your website. I would suggest if you have time, go and find the audio recordings of the series Dad's been preaching on the Book of Revelation. It's on Green Oaks's website, Christ dot com. And you can also find videos on YouTube through the Christian Repository, which is run by Matthew Barnes. So we'd recommend that you check both those out. Thanks for tuning in and listening again to this this week's message. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or Google Play, and follow along with us. Uh, Share this with your friends, and review us online. That helps us a lot to get our our name out there. So uh, be sure to subscribe, review us and share this with others. Thanks, have a great week, and Lord Willem will catch you next week. Better is our sacrifice He paid, the, he paid the, price, the price
1: He paid it all upon the cross No longer bound by sin or with eternal
0: loss He took my sin and washed it away When I was immersed in that watery grave, I heard that gospel call because he paid it all.